Welcome to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm Buck. With me, I have the Professor. Hello. How are you going, Professor? I'm going very well. Very well. My goodness, yeah. hang on. You haven't said anything positive when I've asked you that question for quite a while. What's happening? I'm hiding the pain. You're hiding the pain. Okay, I can live with that. That's okay. That makes sense now. Um, the pain of being have- very excited. There's a new season of Good Place out. Ooh. We also have with us um, the DJ. Hey, guys. Yeah, you going, DJ? Oh, I'm going good, Bucky. I'm oh. going good. You know, oh, that's coming here again with assignments and everything. Yeah, what are we up to? Is week 11, 12, or 13? 11. Uh, that's good. Anyway, um, any amazing news this week that you want to bring up before we start off the show? Well, I thought we should... Um... We should say congratulations to House House, who developed uh, Untitled Goose Game. They're an Australian developer, and they've just uh, hit the top selling list on Switch. Awesome. Um, we got a link for that to put into the show notes for people to go and visit and check them out. I don't, because I only found out not too long ago, but I will get you one. Okay. You got anything else there special for us, DJ? Uh. So there's been some interesting news with Blizzard lately. Such as? Uh, what happened with uh, the Hearthstone player that got back, that got his prize money stripped away and um, two of the co-hosts of, that, of the, uh, tournament, um, air, the tournament show got fired. Um, okay. Uh, haven't actually noticed that. Um, yeah. Sounds unfortunate. Yeah. Is there a particular yeah. reason why? Were they cheating or colluding? Oh, it was apparently the player was um saying uh something along the lines of liberate Hong Kong. Okay. And so uh, Blizzard decided to um strip up strip his um award the prize money and um say you're banned from playing for a year. That's a bit stupid, isn't it? I know. I know. Anyway, moving moving on. First up this week, we have the professor. Ooh, good. I get to go first. So our first topic for the week is the Australian National Film and Sound Archive is archiving video games developed in Australia. So just recently, the um, archive announced that they would be collecting Mm. Australian video games for archive, as well as having the um, launch of the Game Masters, the exhibition. So Game Masters, the exhibition has 80 games, and it's a traveling expedition exhibition of the history of video games but the bit i'm most excited about is the archive okay so the archive starts with a handful of games so starting with uh, the hobbit hollow knight florence a vr game called aspire one that isn't out yet and i presume that they will be continuing to expand that over time mm-hmm. um wonder whether they'll um, include an aspie life that would that be nice the, to see. Some recognition for good old Bradley. Oh yeah, I hope they do. Um. So what? What other? What other games are we? Are, are, is there any, I mean, any other games we're likely to see going in there that you can point to at the moment? Yeah, they're including uh, Hall- Halloween Harry, which was released under a different name as the re-release not long after it came out, or 
was renamed Halloween Harry, so it's uh, quite an old one. But uh, there's including Shadowrun, L.A. Noir, Submerged, and uh, The Hobbit, Hollow Knight, and Florence and Aspire One VR operative. Okay. Uh, yes, DJ's just found it for me. Halloween Harry was also known as Alien Carnage. Oh, cool. So anything extra that we can look for with it? Like you said, are they going to have a um, special exhibition somewhere for us where we can go and play these games and see them? Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like they have any plans to display the games at the moment, but this is the first step in making sure that the content is available when they do want to display it. Okay. We don't want it to end up like the um, seed vault, (laughs) springing a leak and getting corridors flooded with ice before they decide to do something. Yes, uh, just found out that recently the Svalbard seed vault has started leaking. The the most recent team to go to Svalbard had to hack their way through ice to enter the vault, including a segment of the tunnel that had flooded. Ah, well, let's hope that the Australian Film Archive decides to pay attention and make sure that it's all properly secure. Um, well, this is the uh, National Film Sound Archive. Uh, do you remember what happened to the Canberra... Uh, was it going to be the National Library? You know that dome-shaped building in Canberra? Mm, no. Okay, no. so there's a dome-shaped building in Canberra that's now part of the university. Mm-hmm. But when they first built it, it was going to be the... Um, a library, but it started leaking. And that's not by design because part of the uh, pooling for the building was a sprinkler on the roof. So someone messed up somewhere. Yes. Good old. The, the closest thing camera. to a um, dome shaped building would be Australian Academy of Science. I think that might be what it is now. I'll just look it up. Yeah. Well, let's hope they do better this time. Yes, that's um, the one. Will it just be the um? Will it will it also include like um games like Fruit Ninja and and um what's the wasn't there a wasn't there a Battle Royale game developed by the Australians? Well, they haven't announced what the next step is going to be. So this is I I hope this is the first um wave of games that they're preserving. But the question will be if they continue the project, what comes next? And there's a lot of uh, Australian games. I think the uh, they're better off going for the older ones first to make sure they get them before they're lost. But they, I assume, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, we'll try and keep you posted on that. If we hear anything further, we'll um, let you guys know. But we'll move along now. We got printed electronics. Um, this is something that's been floating around for quite a while. It's the concept of printed electronics that can be printed at low temperatures and on a variety of surfaces, up to and including paper or skin. And apparently the people at Duke University have devised such a method and put it to the test and actually have a video where they've printed onto, it looks like the little finger, yeah, of one of the PhD candidates that's involved and and attached a um, LED light to it and then they put a charge that runs through it and it lights up. So there's a range of different um, applications they're looking at, such as with medical scenarios, such as so they can have special sensors in 
that are tracking um, various stages of recovery for patients undergoing surgery through to intimate and personalised tattooing for the people who want to do body modifications to the next level and glow in the dark. And who doesn't want to do that? Probably ninjas. So kind of give them away as they're trying to sneak through the shadows. Well, if everyone glows in the dark, the one guy who isn't glowing is going to be the suspicious one. (laughs) Can you imagine the game of Risk? When you have that moment where it's like, all right, one that's not glowing, he's the, he's the guy that killed the colonel. Hey? I'm not sure you know how to play Risk. No, sorry, not Risk, I'm um, Cluedo. Imagine playing Cluedo and, this, uh, and they go like, all right, the guy that's not glowing in the dark, okay, he's now he's the guy that killed the colonel with a candlestick. Yeah, okay, um, interesting twist. But, yeah, um, they've described a um, sticky film that's, Principle by a uh, not an inkjet, but it's similar to that um, printing style. It's been a temporary tattoo, and it can bend more than fifty percent. And they said over a million times, but I don't know whether they've actually done that or not. But yeah, so just looking at the video at the moment, whether they were printing the um, onto the circuitry onto the guy's finger. And then they light it up and he bends his finger with it on there. It looks creepy. You know what's going to be even more invent- even more inventive? This will this will take out the use of, you know, microchipping in the... Why? Hmm? Why? You know how much it will cost, like, just to, like, in a microchip, um, inject a microchip into your um, body and let the people track and stuff? Like, imagine with this, you don't, need, don't even need to inject hmm. it. You can just, they're like, all right, we'll just tattoo it on your arm or something. And, yeah, no pain. I don't think that would make a difference for the uh, conspiracy theorists because this is visible. You know if you've got this on. I think the um, the most exciting part of this could be for, like, specifically the body part would be artistry. But mm-hmm. I'd really like to see uh, a really easy, quick production circuit board printer so that, like, anyone could produce a circuit board as a um, just as for experimenting, really. Yeah. Because... Circuit board production at the moment, the easiest way that I've seen to do it at home is to print it out on transparency, use a UV light to fix a um, photoresist coating, remove the transparency, stick it in some particularly harsh chemical that dissolves the copper, then uh, shake it around for uh, like 20 minutes or longer if you need to. And then you can use the circuit board, but you have to drill the holes and everything. If you could print it on paper and just use some sort of hole punch tool or a um, yeah, or just attach your surface mount devices straight on there. Probably not paper, though, if you're going to be soldering. Maybe conductive glue. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon prototyping could be the killer app for this. Well, yes, there's that. There's, um, as I said, like the me- for medicine, like they're, they're talking about using biosensors where the nurse can just go out can walk into a workstation and print out like punch in the specific details they need for a patient and they can print out the sensors and so forth that can be put onto the person and it can help track their recovery so um one problem with what dj was saying though for instead of the microchipping is this is technically only a temporary tattoo and you it requires a power source whereas the microchip 
is a reactive to um, various microwaves or X-rays to yeah, and a, um, a microchip can be implanted in a like <laughs> and leave basically no mark. Yeah, so you might not even know if you've been microchipped, but this is visible. It's on mm. the surface and it rubs off. Speaking of tattoo, uh, imagine using this in tattoo. It'd be like um, watching your favorite superheroes and stuff, uh, and they have those awesome-looking tattoos that glow in the dark. Well, the tattoos themselves don't glow in the dark. No, but with you this, just, ta- with this, you sort of have tech. people walking around with um, silver tattoos and um, little LED lights that light up. So you have people walking around looking like a Christmas tree. Yeah, like uh, at art festivals, like Burning Man. Yeah, um, you could make it so that. It- something for search and rescue people that are going into restricted confined spaces. They can have um, this printed on them and be operating and have little LED torches to provide light. So, yeah. Um, But that's just another weird application. Anyway, moving along, the next topic we have is from DJ. Ah, so I've got a story about Christopher... Hibju, the guy who played as Tormund Giant Bane, has landed a co-production deal with two British produ- production companies to host a series about Viking life. Okay, but who is Mr. Giant Bane? He's the guy that's famous for playing as Tormund, mm-hmm. yeah, Tormund Giant Bane in um, he was in Game of Thrones, basically. He was one of the wild wildlings. Okay, so that explains who that is for all of us who don't care about Game of Thrones. Thank you. Um, he was. He was the guy with the red beard that they made memes of where he's looking at... Um, Brienne. What's name? Brienne. Bri- at Brienne, the, the blonde female knight, and smiling at her and going, well, I like a big woman. <laughs> <laughs> and giving, giving her the eye, and she's just like... Nah. So, yeah, yeah, but he, he's a loyal... He's a good character in the series. So what's, so, yeah, he's, what's this he's doing? Um, so he's doing a series called True Viking. And the series is basically a brutal endurance competition which contestants must hone their Viking skills and apply their mental and physical strength to endure the toughest test of their lives. Um, the series will con- challenge contestants to execute authentic Viking tasks amidst the desolate wilds of the unsympathetic Norwegian fjords. Uh, they'll be For five weeks, the contestants will be eating, living and surviving as Vikings. And they'll be tra- navigating... Um, snow-capped mountains, smashing through layers of ice on frozen lakes to fish, building shelters, scavenging, and the contestants will unite in group challenges go ahead to head and learn survival tasks. So basically it's just um, Survivor. So it's... But with more axe throwing, and that makes everything better. <laughs> so it, it, it's another reality on reality TV. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yay. Hey, you know who they should have on it? The Kardashians. <laughs> After all, if there's anyone you wanted to throw an axe at, there you go. It's imagine that imagine just accidentally throwing it and you you kill him and you say, "Oop, that, that was a." Well, if you're having an axe throwing tournament and the Kardashians are the target, you're supposed to hit the targets. You don't accidentally hit the target. Unless, unless if it's, the DJ does. Unless if it's uh, unless they're trying to do what William Tell what William Tell did, throwing axe and apple off someone's head. Yeah. Um. Except he was shooting an arrow or a crossbow bolt. 
the way axes go, I feel like you'd have a good chance of clocking them in the back of the head with the handle because the axe would spin. Yep. But um, yeah, what, what, what were you and I don't think anyone who threw an axe at the Kardashians and hit them would would turn around and go, "Oops." <laughs> I mean, you'd be, the... you'd be turning. If it was me, I'd be turning around going, "Give me a high five. <laughs> well, the Kardashians are descended from the lawyer who got OJ off. So if you did hit them with an axe, you'd be hearing from that lawyer. I'd hire him for my defense. You mean the... that be uh, actually? Yeah, that would be a conflict of interest. We'll see. I'd hire him first. Defendant or the whatever the word is. I'd go hire him first, just have him on as a as a ret- on retainer. Then do it. Then he can't be involved. He's got to dis- he's got to disavow himself as a conflict of interest. He can't sack me as a client without exception, because of the laws in America. There's got to be a reason why, and it's got to be suitable. So he therefore he needs to defend me. And honestly, is anyone really going to complain about? One or two of the Kardashians disappearing. I don't know if you can count it as disappearing if you've just killed them on live TV. <laughs> but does there anyone actually watch reality TV? TV? Oh, well, humans love drama. That's what, that's what reality TV has proven. Yeah, you're evidence of that, aren't you, DJ? Nope, you're the evidence of that. Rubbish. <laughs> when was the last time you watched reality TV show, you guys? Uh... I watched um, one about people living in the Arctic Circle. That's more of a documentary. Mm-hmm. DJ? Me? Uh, I used to watch old seasons of Hell's Kitchen. That's old, old season, like season four or five. So you haven't been watching, what, what is it, Love Island or The Bachelor? I think I heard on the radio the other day they were talking about. Oh, the ladies at work talk about that all the time. <laughs> I feel like I know all the goss and I don't even watch it. Mm, poor, poor you. <laughs> the closest I come to reality TV is shows such as um, The Grand Tour, which is just a bunch of grumpy old men driving around in cars. But anyway, well, occasionally. But that's the reason why they're grumpy old men. So, yeah. I've got an excuse. They can't help it. Would you ever, but okay, so would you ever join this reality competition? Depends where it fits on the scale of reality. If it's more like uh, Bear Grylls. And his, um, what was it called? Man vs. Wild? No, the reality show that he did. Uh, the Island, I think. If it's more like that, where you're actually on your own and the crew only step in if you're in trouble, then that's something I would take part in. But if it's more like, um, <clears throat> if it's more like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one. If it's more like MasterChef, I wouldn't. Although this type of doc, um, reality TV style reminds me of... Um... Uh, what was there used to be an old BBC show where uh, a family had to live like oh, ye old English people back in the day. It was, it was they used to show on the ABC. I forgot the name, but yeah, was it called The Colony or something? There was one oh. about um immigrants to Australia. They got a couple of uh, families from the UK, shipped them out here, and told them, "Here's your farm. Now live like they did back in the day." I think I remember saying something about that one. That wasn't wasn't too bad. Um. If they're going to do it, they've got to do it properly. Like, I want them living the way that they used to live. I go exploring. If you have an argument with someone, you can settle it with axes or swords. You, know, you just got to play the. You just got to pay the blood money. In that case, I'll be on it. Yeah, if I can have a nice farm, some sheep, go raping and pillaging every now and then, mm-hmm. murder a bunch of monks. <laughs> sounds all right. It, hey, it worked well for them, and they built a. 
pretty expansive empire. Yeah, the uh, there are Viking ruins in Hagia Sophia, mm-hmm. which uh, historians, I think, the historians think they would have sailed around the Mediterranean to get there. Um, and- actually, they had a trading empire that went as far east as Russia and down into northern Africa and the Middle East of Arabia, etc. Um, so because they had they were trading with like doing slave trading and whatever they captured and just trading goods. So they um, would travel across the north and then to get down towards um, Constantinople as it would have been back in those days. Um, not Istanbul. No, it changed into Istanbul. Um, I'm not sure what time. Would have, yeah, depending on the date. Um, but they would have travelled down through the Black Sea and the Bosphorus, those areas. Um, yeah, they would, they, would, they would have had trading partners and they would have had people that went with them trading. So, yeah, there's evidence of trading going into Cairo back in the day as well. So, yeah. You know what be what what's going to be good though with these types of shows? At least it will dispel all these myths that we always see in shows like Vikings and and, and popular culture like Marvel and saying what, like what oh myth? like uh, uh what was in um was in with Marvel for example that uh gods are, the gods were powerful but and they would come to Earth and when you look at the reality it's just like nah that doesn't happen <clears throat> well. Can you prove they didn't? Now, let's look at this realistically. Thor said he would get rid of the ice giants. I don't see any ice giants. A global warming might have something to do with that, but I'm going to go with Thor because I don't <laughs> want him messing me up. I'm well, I'm leaning the same way. Like, can, can you prove that their gods didn't come down and walk among them? Is there a gigantic axe in, in the middle of, in the, middle of the um, Norwegian fjord? I don't Possibly. know. The fjords are like a kilometre deep. Do you, want, do you want to swim down and have a look? Oh, I would love to see that happen. Hold your breath. <laughs> we, we, we're quite happy to give you some chains to help you get down quicker. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make you a special concrete diving suit. Oh, Bucky, I thought you'd be much more f- suited for this because you're more tougher than all than all of us. No, Buck's fat and fat's buoyant, so he would <laughs> float. <laughs> Hello, doggy. <laughs> oh, doggy. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So yeah, Buck would float because he's fat, but you're not fat. You would sink. Oh no, I would still sink. I'm, I am a bit fat. Not as fat as Buck. Uh... So Buck's buoyancy is going to be higher. Hey, steady on. You don't have to <laughs> paint me out to be the Michelin man there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll sink my miniature Doberman pincer onto you. <laughs> it's a very noisy miniature. Yes. The the little dogs don't understand how small they are, so they sound like big dogs. Anyway, yeah, it's it, it's cool to um I'll, before we, before you go on to your next topic, I think it's cool to teach the future generations of how <laughs> is that dog being hurt? <laughs> to teach future generations of Viking culture. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, do you in like two hundred years or five hundred years or whatever, there will be a reality TV show about Instagram influencers. <laughs> Or do you remember those old um, document? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Those reality TV shows where they say, you have to live like in the 80s. <laughs> it's like, imagine living like in the, in the 2000s. You got a thing called Snapchat. No, that's 2010s. There was actually a show that did that. Not too long ago. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, that's it. Back in time for dinner. It's an Aussie show where um, they get a family to live through each decade for a week. Mm-hmm. And then they get to 2000 and they have to deal with the original iPhone and all of the other slightly dodgy tech from then. They did um, similar in um, England yeah. where they went through and they had to live the lifestyle. Yeah, I think I might have seen a, an episode or two of that. The original was England, or was from England, and then Australia adapted it. Okay. Yeah. But More can of you an imagine? influence from America. We can't even come up with our own TV shows now. <laughs> <laughs> At least we don't brutally murder whatever we copy. Well, I don't know. Anyway, moving along. Um, yes, for the for those that are concerned, the um, squeal before was my miniature Doberman was upset that he was being ignored. Of course. Ah. Oh. So yes. He, he was trying to jump up to get my attention. Um, so, moving along, um, what game have you been playing this week, Professor? I've been playing Creeper World 3, Arc Eternal. Okay. It's the current culmination of the Creeper World series, not counting the spin-off Particle Fleet. But the uh, it's basically a highly polished form of the previous two games, but the uh, engine is really adaptable. Right? Mm. There's a bonus level that is a top-down shooter. I've seen someone make a side-scrolling platformer in it, um, but mostly it just feels really smooth and well-made compared to the other games, which are a bit rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited for his next game, which will come out one day, uh, Creeper World 4, which is going to be a 3D game instead of the top-down 2D perspective. So Ooh. obviously there's going to be much improved uh, fluid physics. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just looking at some of the artwork and it looks pretty cool yeah uh, what have you been playing dj um before you asked uh, before i say my uh piece on what game i've been playing um i was gonna say uh professor what how many nerdy beanies would you give give the game out of uh we decided it was out of five didn't we yes oh, actually no in your case it was out of 10 because you wanted to be be against the grain i want to be different yep right because yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're just Big and fat like me. You just wanted <laughs> Okay, I'd give it a 9 out of 10. The main flaw in it is that it's not as pretty as the 3D version. Okay. Oh, needs a bit, bit more makeup. Yeah. Some, some address. But um, I'll throw a copy of the uh, a link to the um, development videos for Creeper World 4 in the chat, uh, the show notes. The, um, the fluid physics are really nice. Okay. Okay. Um, the game I've been playing, I've been playing MTG Arena, and it's is that a fun. dance thing? No, it's uh, Magic the Gathering Arena. Oh, sorry, because I'm an I'm I'm an old fart. I don't know <laughs> when you use acronyms. I don't follow it. 
not that I can't figure it out. It's just more of the fact that I'm just, if you can't be bothered using words, I can't be bothered figuring it out. But they call it MTG Arena. That's the, even the <laughs> Yeah, and they call you DJ, and that doesn't mean what they think it means, does it? <laughs> We're not allowed to say that, what it means on air. Um, yeah, I've been playing um, Magic the Gathering Arena. It's um, quite different from actually uh, from playing the card game in real life. Really? Yeah. Uh, for this, t- I think this time they're, pl- they're playing with a new set called the... Oh, let me just check. In the it's meantime... It's called El- Eldrain. Eldrain? Yeah, g- give me a second. In the meantime, we'll take a quick word from our sponsor. <laughs> it's called the uh, Throne of Eldrain. It's a new card set out today and so it, so i've been playing a couple of matches with that set and yeah it's been fun so how does it differ from playing with actual cards well you get the special effects and like like, like it's like watching Yu-Gi-Oh anime like little monsters come to life and this watching the cards dissolve and uh, when when dealing damage to different creatures mm-hmm. and um what's when playing instance for example the uh you get the um, automatic reactions. Like you don't see that in like um, in the real in, in the real life game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um, think so, wouldn't you? I, I I find it very disappointing. I don't get to see animations jumping up and running across the table when I play with cards. You see, that's what you got to do instead. You got to set up a like a battle arena, and then when you play a card, you deploy an animal into the arena and it fights. Like have a dog fighting ring. And then when you like, no, I summon, no, no. I summon my dinosaur, you throw a crocodile in. And someone's like, I summon my guinea pig. Um, uh, I think the Romans did something similar to that. But we're not having a dogfighting arena. No, no. Bad professor. Naughty professor. And we, may, we must remind our um, viewers that the opinions of the professor is his alone and does not represent the group itself. Well, it doesn't yes. have to have dogs in it. It's just a convenient term. Well, look, we can just throw people in. <laughs> it's more fun to watch them suffer. The people are expensive. Only if you pay them. If we do it like the Viking times with uh, Tormund as the head judge, like Survivor, yeah, that'll be it. That'll be, that'll be it. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll no, be no. S- we do it properly. I'll be the judge. You'll be the judge. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. You'll be as tough um, as king. Do you have to... I remember with Magic the Gathering, with, with the cards, you had to get the land so you could tap it for the mana for casting ability. Yeah. Do you have to do that in this game? Yeah, you have to do that as well. So you actually have to get the lands and you have to summon them and then you have to have them there and you have to tap them each time to cast a card? Yep. Okay. Yeah. My biggest flaw with this game is sometimes when you're playing the game and all of, automatically the... Um, the game shuts down at random moments. Like I get that sometimes, and it just frustrates me. Like ah, I was in the middle of the game, and oh, this thing sounds a buggy mess. Yeah, sometimes it's buggy, but it works. It, it works all around. It wasn't because you were showing support for Hong Kong and you're being booted. By our friends in China with the, who are the hack. I mean, um, they've got the great computers. <laughs> Uh, the bright side is at least Magic Gathering is not owned by Blizzard, thankfully. Give them time. It'll be them or um, Disney or Tencent. Uh, yeah, does Tencent have a stake in uh, Wizards of the Coast? They've got it in everything else. There's over 400 companies, last I heard. 
Who is it who makes magic? Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> the good witch Gwendo. Gwenda. Anyway. Uh, it was I actually this... the bad witch because she sent a child to go and do her dirty work for her. I give this one... I give it three, three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five? Yeah. Nerdy beanies? Yep. Cool. Well, I've been playing World of Warships this week, and i got to say it is a lot of fun. Um, you get different warships. You, un- you get experience points and so forth, and you get to unlock other various ships. You can go buy ships but uh, with current, like actual real-life currency, but you can earn credit through XP and so forth, and you can go buy and un- unlock different levels of ships as you go through and yeah you go do a quick battle where you sail around as part of a fleet with just various people and shoot each other until you sink each other's ships which is actually quite funny when you have a um, nice big battleship and you go after um, your enemy's aircraft carrier and everybody else is off fighting somebody somewhere else aircraft carriers don't really seem to have much firepower yeah, Sacroft carriers by themselves are a little bit squishy. Yes. Like the DJ. <laughs> Aw, thank you, Buck. I feel so wanted now. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yes. Um... So, I have a question, Buck. So, for this game, so you, so you, can't, you, so you can't fight like a modern um, aircraft carrier against like, like the Endeavor, for example? No, you don't have um, sailing ships and clippers and so forth. It's um, steam-powered or diesel-powered or whatever, up through to um, fairly recent, um, predominantly um, early World War II, post-World War II era ships. Um, You're matched up against ships that are in the same class, so you're not going to be taking the Alaska and going out and battling against someone in a tiny, puny little um, first level. So you've got 10 levels of ships, and I think the Alaska's uh, 10th level. So you're not going to be taking a 10th level ship and battling against a level 1. Or Even though you can upgrade your ships and in various ways with some of the components, but, um, yeah, I, you can't get it up to the point where you'd be able to put up much of a scratch in the paintwork on one of those. Okay. But apparently they've also got submarines coming. I just got a notice come through earlier today as well so at the moment there's battleships cruisers destroyers and aircraft carriers but apparently they're going to have submarines in the near future which would be interesting so what factions can you play in them um you can play as the english the french the japanese the germans um european alliance um commonwealth there's a few different groups so yeah and there's and it's instead of just a basic capture the flag it's dominate the area to and sink all your enemies very few people go to just capture all the areas you just go out and sink your enemies as much as you can what's your biggest flaw sorry what was that what's the biggest flaw in the game you've encountered um not really any flaws it's just a matter of getting used to it like each ship has varying capabilities and so forth so um the destroyers are essentially little little um sports cars if for a simple comparison where they can take off and fly and move really fast through the water 
and are highly maneuverable, but they can't really take much of a beating. Um, the cruisers are a little bit slower than the destroyers um, and a little bit less maneuverable, but they can take a little bit more of a beating. The destroyers usually have um, uh, torpedoes, whereas battleships generally don't. Um, some of the cruisers do. And then the battleships, they're just tough. Um, you have your main guns and secondary guns, so you get a cruiser moving close to a cruiser. Um, yeah, you, you're just doing constant damage to the cruiser. So, yeah, I'd give it a four and a half out yeah. of five um, nerdy beanies. And the artwork is absolutely insanely beautiful. Nice, nice. So, um, moving along to shout-outs this week. Um, for all those truly cultured individuals, on the 5th of October, it was Monty Python's 50th birthday for the Flying from when the flying Circus first aired on BBC One. And, yes, anyone who knows me knows that I like to quote Monty Python at various times. So, yes. You think Bucky's my jokes are old? The, Some of them are. Bucky's not the son of Christ. He's just a bad, bad boy. Only the DJ could get such a simple quote so badly. Well, I, I, I'm just paraphrasing it just to avoid copyright. You know, they're not going to come after us for that. And you got to do it right. It's he's not the Messiah. He's a, he's just a very naughty boy. <laughs> um, but yes. So moving along, on the 6th of October, unfortunately, um, Ginger Baker, the drummer and co-founder of the rock band Cream, which was also had Eric Clapton in it, um, passed away. Um, he is sadly missed, and he was pretty awesome with some of his drumming style. Um on the 7th of October, the Soviet probe Luna 3, and this is in 1959, transmits the first ever photographs of the far side of the moon um, for the Pink Floyd plans. No, it's not the dark side. It's the far side of the moon. <laughs> um, to achieve this, the probe was equipped with a dual-lens 35mm camera, one at 200mm. Um, well, we've got all the details in the show notes. You want to go and read them. Um, yeah, it occurred when the craft was about passing about 40,000 miles above the lunar surface. The radio-controlled Lunar 3 was part of the Soviet Union's highly successful lunar program, which completed 20 missions to the moon between January 1959 and October 1970. Moving on to remembrances, on the 2nd of October 2019, John Kirby, American attorney, passed away. He was most notable for his successful defense for Nintendo against Universal City Studios over the copyright ability of the character of Donkey Kong in 1984, from which Nintendo subsequently named the character Kirby to honor him. Kirby was considered to have saved Nintendo during its early growth into video games in the American market. In thanks for aiding them, Nintendo gave Kirby a $30,000 sailboat, christened the Donkey Kong, along with exclusive worldwide rights to the use of the name for sailboats. He died from 
Um, yes, my, my lodysplastic syndrome at the age of 79. On the 7th of October, 1849, Edgar Allan Poe, American writer, editor, and literary critic, came tap, tap, tapping at the door and unfortunately didn't get in it and died. Um, yes, unfortunately, yeah, it's one of the sad things. Is apparently he died in the street. No, that, I can't see that in the show notes here. I thought he died. I thought he died of um, alcohol poisoning. Yeah, he died of yeah, alcohol it's a bit poisoning of a, in the streets. Unsolved mystery. He disappeared for a few days and turned up apparently very drunk and dying. And mm. one of the uh, theories I saw was he turned up in someone else's clothes, and it was just after an election. So one of the theories I saw was that he'd been kidnapped and used as a uh, I can't remember the word for it now, but voting multiple times in different areas. Because okay. apparently that was the thing that would go on back then. They would kidnap someone, get them drunk, and then uh, dress them up and send them to vote. Okay. So basically, Edgar Allan Poe's last act was electoral fraud. Yeah, but it was like he wasn't committing the fraud. He was pushed into it by whatever gang kidnapped him. So, yes. Um, man wrote some amazing horror poetry and so forth and mystery, but... At least when he died, he did it with just as much mystery. Um, on the 7th of October, 1939, Harvey Cushing, American neurosurgeon, pathologist, writer, and draftsman, a pioneer of brain surgery. He was one of the first exclusive neurosurgeons and the first person to describe Cushing's disease. I guess that's why they named it after him. He wrote a biography of William Osler in three volumes. So in other words, he liked to speak a lot. Um, unfortunately, he died from a heart attack at the age of 70 in New Haven, Connecticut. On to famous birthdays. On the 7th of October, 1943, we have Austin Stoker, the Trinidadian American actor, um, known for his role as Lieutenant Ethan Bishop, the police officer in charge of the besieged Precinct 9, Division 13, in John Carpenter's Howard Hawks-inspired 1976 film, Assault on Precinct 13, which is an epic movie I, I can highly recommend. Did you ever um, like the remake? Yeah, it's not bad, but yeah, not as much fun as the original there. Um, yes. Um, one of the interesting things here is that uh, Austin Stoker was also most notable for his acting role in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, Horror High, and Airport 1975, among many others. Um, he was born in Port of Spain, Trinidad, and Tobago. On the 7th of October, 1947, we have a person who's got one of the coolest names in history, Lightning Bear. The Native American stuntman, stunt coordinator, special effects artist, and just generally an amazingly cool sort of bloke because of the name, um, was born. He appeared in numerous amazing movies, um, including the Star Wars trilogies. Um, he was one of the um, stormtroopers in the Return of the Jedi chase where they were on the speeders through the Forest Moon, the Forest on the Moon of Endor. He was also in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, among many others. He was born in Houston, Texas. Don't you wish you had a name like Lightning Bear? Oh, yeah. I like his, I like his philosophy as well, then saying he's 
was very lucky in life as the industry it was his first love and he likes the way it's been changing with new methods and technologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's a very good outlook in life. Yep. Um, on the 7th of October, 1885, Niels Hendrik David Bohr, the Danish physicist who made foundational contributions to understanding atomic structure and quantum theory, for which he received the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1922. Um, he was born in Copenhagen. So, yes, pretty, pretty cool sort of bloke there. Um, On to the events of interest. On the 6th of October, 2009, we have The Maze Runner. Not the movie, the book was first published. Um, So, yeah, definitely a good read and worth looking into. On the 7th of October, 1856, Cyrus, Cyrus Chambers Jr. patents the folding machine that folds books and newspapers. So yeah, we've got a like a bloke who helps us get our reading material. On the 7th of October, 1988, an Inupiaq Indian hunter, um, Roy Amagoak, discovered three grey whales trapped in pack ice in the Beaufort Sea near Point Barrow in the US state of Alaska. The situation becomes a multinational national effort to free the whales. The whales' plight generated media attention that led to the collaboration of multiple governments and organizations to free them. The operation was called Operation Breakthrough, so it included icebreakers from the Soviet Union as well as from the United States. So, yeah. On the 7th of October, 2011... Sanctuaries, final the TV series. The final season five was aired. No, it was fourth. Oh, four seasons, sorry. I was thinking um, Warehouse 13, that was five seasons. Um, which was the 64th most watched cable show in 2011 and was absolutely pretty cool. Yeah, that was a good se- I I didn't watch the entire series. I saw bits and pieces and I liked the, the premise of it, to be honest. I'm, I wish I could grab the entire series and watch it on one hit. Okay. Um, while you're waiting for that, we can hit you. Just trying to be helpful here. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it for another week. Um, we have our Facebook page. Um, we have a group section in that. So, yeah, we're not doing all the... We have all the information on where you can find how to contact us on Twitter and our email address and everything, but come and find us at Nerds Amalgamated on Facebook. Um, have a look at some of the content we've got posted up on the page. Tell us if, what you like about the show, you don't like about the show, any recommendations, any questions. And, yeah, have you guys got anything else to add? I'd uh, like to give a special shout-out to My Songs Suck. Okay. Do they DJ? I'm- I'm going to give a special shout out to everyone. Everyone wants to be a dog. No, yeah, flew from Papa. Sorry. <laughs> everyone uh, wants to be a cat. He almost showed his secret allegiance to the cat faction. Every, I, I, I'm going to do a shout, shout out to everyone wants to be a cat and the flu from Papa. Just be, especially since um, the professor's comment about dog fighting arenas, we need to 
show some love to the, our beautiful animal friends. So, yeah, um, I guess that's it for another week. Remember to take care of each other, stay safe, and stay hydrated. Root. See you guys. We'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.